This is just incredible. This is hashtag America. You see that? Okay. How many are watching the Super Bowl today? Okay, I know you might not have a dog in the fight, but how many uh, Kansas City fans, how many going for Kansas City? Patrick Mahomes, man of God. All right, anybody taking the, the 49ers? Good. Okay, you can't. That would be like me rooting for the Cowboys. I'm a Redskins fan. Uh, but, 40, okay, we do have, okay, uh, hey, representing. Saladin is from the Bay Area, so he has to represent. So I appreciate you staying true, even in the midst of a hostile crowd. Um, we're going to surround you with security if these people get a little out of hand. Uh, my wife got me this present. No, it's not a football. It's a chocolate football. Only in America, people. And so, you know, I thought to myself, this can be taken one of two ways as a gift. This is either a really a nice, fun present she got me, or it's an assassination attempt, right? But regardless, today I'm going to break into this football. And it's vegan, so I'm not worried. I think it's vegan. Um, and I was about to break this open during the first song or two, kick it up a little notch, get a little caffeine, get a little sugar in your system. But hopefully the Word of God is going to break through today. We're starting a new series, and I'm praying that it would awaken us to God in a new way. Because we're diving into a series called FAQ. Frequently we ask questions, and we're following our Alpha series but on Sunday mornings, what we're going to do is we're going to dive in deeper into each subject matter. If you didn't get a chance to hear, we start Alpha this week, and you can sign up at the table. Also, our life groups are launching this week. You can sign up at the table. Don't miss out on that. Today, we're going to dive into the first week, and this FAQ series is it's gold for the secular person who has not made a decision to follow Jesus because it's exploring the primary questions that most people have when it comes to deciding whether Jesus is real or not, deciding where my life is going or pondering where my life is going. But it's also gold for those who are new believers as we're diving into God's word and understanding some of these deepest questions that many of us if not all of us have pondered, um, even now as Christians, we ponder these things in layers. It's the meaning of life stuff. It's the purpose of our life. It's our, our personal calling. It's answering the questions and pondering the questions of like, how does this thing work? This life as a physical being who is also spiritual uh, on this side of eternity with this God who is invisible, but I believe he existed. And one day I'm going to be with him, but... I live in a world that's hostile to his message, to his heart, to his presence. And so it's good to revisit these things, even if we're re-asking the same questions that we believe to get a deeper or better understanding. And so today, the question and the title of the message is this, is there more to life than this? Have you ever pondered that in any way, shape, or form? Come on, I know as a believer, I've thought that. You know, I, God, I believe you, but there's got to be more to this life than maybe what I'm experiencing. You know, I remember my son talked to me. He was, you know, 12 years old, and uh, he was seeing his brother grow up, and his brother, and, and he have totally different personalities, and uh, maybe he's a little older, 13, 14, and, and his brother started driving, and he started a little business on the side, and my other son was going through some times of just insecurity, like, I'm not as confident as him, and maybe I'm not as gifted as him, and just like, will, will I be able to support a family, and, 
And then, you know, he thought like, well, what if I'm not called to full-time ministry? And I said, well, everybody's called to full-time ministry, whether you get paid through Boeing or Starbucks, we're all full-time ministers. But I've told my kids straight up, and maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I've told them, do not become a paid full-time pastor unless God has absolutely called you to do it. Please don't feel the pressure to do that because anytime you do something you were not gifted or graced for, it will crush you. But when you're graced for something, you could be graced as a kingdom businesswoman, businessman, and somebody else could try and launch out and be the CEO of a company because it's the thing to do or maybe they have something to fulfill. But listen, it could weigh a million pounds for you, but somebody that's graced for it, it weighs a hundred. They still got to rep it. It still has its problems and its pressures, but don't do something that God hasn't called you to do. But I remember him saying like, I don't want to just wake up and go to work and then come home and try and save enough money to retire and then just one day die and you know, you get up, you go to work, you come home, you eat a meal. You know, he's like, I know it's more than that. He goes, I know that we're on mission. But I've heard so many people throughout the years, like, man, is, is there more to life than this? You know, what is all this about? Why am I going through all this pain? Is there any purpose to it? Is there any meaning to it? And if so, man, God, can you please speak to me because... Maybe we feel like we're just on a treadmill and we're going through the motions and we're trying to pump ourselves up with faith, but it doesn't feel like it's clicking. I don't know if you've ever faced that, but the Bible speaks to this and wants to answer some of these questions because this is really dealing with the subject of discovering or getting at our longing or our desire for meaning, for purpose, or for significance in life. Have you ever noticed how frustrated your soul gets when you do something that doesn't seem to have a purpose or a meaning? Have you ever showed up to a meeting and you don't know why you're meeting? And it just seems like, man, what, what are we trying to accomplish here? Or what's the agenda? Where are we going? Or is it just busy work? Is it just talk? Why is that? Because God wired our soul. He wired our inner man to be fruitful. You know that everything God does has a purpose? Every single little thing, from every cell in your body to every gnat, every animal, the stars, the distance the earth is from the sun, the way our solar system works, the way the tides work, the, the way the rain, we're getting all the world's rain here in Tacoma all at once. I don't know how there's any uh, more water in the atmosphere for anyone else because we've been getting hammered. Can I get an amen? But God is stockpiling snow in the mountains so that our, you know, streams will be full during the, the summer. Everything God does, everything God creates, it has a purpose. And we were designed that everything that we do and everything we are should have meaning and it should have significance. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but uh, it talks about how much time we spend on television and social media video games or whatever. Nothing wrong with enjoying things in moderation, the Bible says. But if you count up the time you sleep, boom, that's gone. There's a purpose to that. You're getting recharged. But, you know, seven hours a night, eight hours a night, some of you 14 hours a night, I don't know what you need. But then you add up, like, the, I think it's four or five hours a day we waste just in social media, right? And, and you wonder why. What, what is that empty feeling? What is that frustration? It's God... And the purpose of God inside of us saying, listen, 
I'm not allowing you to feel productive and fruitful because this precious time that you have, I want it to produce something in you and through you. And I'm not saying that you're a human doing. You are a human being, but God designed us to be fruitful. And so when we're not connected to things that are purposeful, it robs us of our peace and our contentment inwardly. And so I remember this, reading this book. This really spoke to it. Raise your hand if you heard the book Wild at Heart. Okay. So this was a great book. And I know some dudes weren't, you know, flowing with it or whatever. It was, it was too, you know, macho or whatever. But I think the reason it resonated with so many dudes is because John Eldridge, the, the author, he got down to this epidemic, this plague that so many men suffer under. Millions and millions of men. This sense of emptiness or aimlessness or purposelessness. It's the lunchbox and plugging the time clock and coming home and then, you know, sitting in a cubicle and dying a slow death as you watch the clock sit down and you get stuck in traffic and you go home and you watch sports or whatever. And he was trying to speak to the way that man was designed, the purpose, the meaning the design, and he was trying to call men to life who felt like they were wandering aimlessly. And I think the reason it resonated so much is because he took it to the Bible, but he talked about the wiring for a man and that every man needs three things ultimately. Every man needs a battle to fight. Every man needs an adventure to live. And, and every man craves a, a beauty to rescue. And of course, he took it through the lens of scripture and that there's a false version and a real version, but so many dudes, we went through this with a bunch of guys, they came alive like, dude, I feel like I have no battle in my life. I feel like there's nothing to fight for. There's no why. Or I feel like my life is just, it has no adventure. Like my life is just boring. Or the romance in my life is dead or whatever it is. And so all of a sudden, guys get a glimpse of, wait a minute, this is the purpose, or a purpose, or this is some rediscovered meaning in my life, and all of a sudden, the same nine to five now burned with a bright fire. The same Monday through Friday, it felt different, because now I'm not living by default, I'm living on purpose. And, and in life, God wants us not just to wake up and live on default, he wants us to be proactive, searching for his meaning, and his design in every minute of every day. But it takes focus. So Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Where there is no vision or revelation, the people cast off restraint, or one version says perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law, or the word. Here's another version of the same thing. This is the NLT. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. I broke this down and I looked up these words. And what this is, is this word revelation or vision is divine clarity. Now watch this. Where there's divine clarity or spiritual understanding, when we lack that, there's an unrestrained force and we start to make foolish decisions. Or we start to, because we don't have direction from divine inner guidance, our soul cannot just sit without pursuing something, without experiencing something. 
The Bible talks about the eyes that are never satisfied. And, and the eyes being the window of the soul. I've said this before, but the soul was designed by God. It will never stop craving. You can never fill it enough. It's always going to want more. And it was designed to be connected to the unsearchable God or insearchable God, meaning that we can learn about the Lord for two trillion years and there's going to be more to learn. And so our soul was meant to be married to that relationship. But when it's not finding its daily bread or its food or its satisfaction and contentment and fulfillment in the Lord, in his will and in his plan, when we don't have divine clarity in that direction, the soul will not sit still. It will find something to medicate itself. I promise you. Whether it be quote-unquote innocent distractions or idols or, or terrible ones. And so think about this. In realm of society, the more we get away from divine guidance and spiritual understanding, which at its core, the most perfect divine guidance there is, is the truth of Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God, made alive by the Spirit of truth. So if we want the most clear divine guidance, or the best vision, or the most full revelation we could ever have, it's found in the person of Jesus Christ, expressed through His Spirit and by His Word, indwelling those who believe in Him. Now watch this. The further we get from that, and there are varying degrees, the further people cast off restraint or start to die a slow, withering death. This can happen within Christianity. So that's why this message isn't just for the non-believer. Because we could be searching for meaning in life, and we, we could answer the question, I know the meaning is Jesus Christ, and it's to follow him and love him. We can quote the answer, but how many have been in a situation or times like me where I can say the answer, but I might be pursuing him and other things to try and find fulfillment? Why? Because I have some clarity, but with a lack of clarity, there's going to be a portion of perishing or a portion of unrestrained living or thinking. And the further a society or person gets away from that truth, the more wild we run. I had a, a crazy encounter yesterday. This kind of brought this again to a deeper understanding. So I'm driving down the street and I'm over off Walla Road, 112th. And I'm driving and all of a sudden I see these guys like, I didn't know if they were joking around. And so I'm at the stoplight and I just kind of filmed. I thought they were just goofing around. I can show the picture right here. So this is the, it's kind of grainy, but so this is the first picture. There's these dudes just tussling in the parking lot of the Chevron there. And this turned into, you show the next couple pictures. This turned into eight cop cars. Show the next one there. So there's my, I'm a prosperity pastor. I drive a Ford F-150. I'm just saying, you guys pay me well. You pay me well. 1997 tinted windows. I'm just saying. Power windows too. I'm just, you know, it is what it is. You know, that's how I roll. As you can see, I'm not parked in a spot. So then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is like going down, down. And so I whip in there and I pulled up and um, kind of be careful what, um, so I carry a certain permit to carry a certain thing. And uh, I'm not going to say what it is. Um, 
And I, and, and I, and again, and I know I went through eight hour class, you know, you got to, I mean, it's very careful and very responsible with something like that. But it looked like one dude's getting attacked by another guy. They're all in their early twenties. But I get out and I'm like, there's an SUV here, doors open, shoes laying there. It looked like action happened here. There's guys that are fighting here. And I pull my truck up and I'm like, I need to you know, if something, they have a gun or something like that, I need the shield. So I'm looking for the thing and I can't find the thing. And so I've got tools and so I, I got a hammer just in case, you know, I don't know. I mean, just grab something. And I don't want to hurt anybody, but I don't know what's happening. At first, I couldn't tell if this was a girl getting mugged or I don't know. And so I show up and all of a sudden I start walking towards these guys and I'm just checking out the scene. And I still don't know who the bad guys or the good guys are, but I can tell these two guys are trying to either restrain this other dude. They're not throwing punches. So I'm like, okay. So I get close and I don't know if these two thought I was trying to help the other guy, but they're like, hey man, he's got a gun. He's got a gun. And so I'm like, oh snap. Like if I jump in right now and they think I'm with the other guy and they let go of his arms and he gets the gun, somebody's getting shot. Or maybe I get jumped from somebody else. So I'm just like watching to see what happens and if I need to pounce. And all of a sudden, the dude actually gets his gun. And he pulls a, a 45 out, and they're wrestling over it. The guy's trying to turn the gun. And the, one of the other guys gets on him. They start slamming it on the ground. They break it free of his grip. Um, the other guy empties the magazine, flips all the bullets out, unloads the chamber, and the gun's there. And they're just exhausted, right? And so this car's pulling in, and I remember like, people watching. One, one car comes in and they've got like three kids in the back. And I'm like, you guys get out of here. Go away. Like they, they have a gun and they're just standing there like watching. Like bullets don't care. You know what I'm saying? It's like they don't, this isn't Disneyland. Now, Dave, why didn't you leave? Well, in the process, I'm trying to help, but then I lock my keys in my car. <laughs> my car's literally running. And I sat there afterwards, filled out police reports and Waited three hours for roadside assistance to come, and I'm burning through gas. I gave Chevron a little business in the process. But I talked to this guy at the end, and the two guys were innocent. He came up, and he said, hey, thank you, man. And um, I said, tell me what happened. And listen to what it was about. And this, this just totally caused the scripture to jump out, and it gave purpose to even our walk. Not just personally, but this dude comes up, young 20-year-old, 22-year-old, whatever, is about to pull a gun and take another dude's shoes from him. Now, this is not a new story. We've heard this before. But somehow, this young man had a vision about the meaning of life or the purpose or the fulfillment of life is having nice possessions or material things. And because his vision was shaped by a certain way of thinking, he cast off restraint and is acting out of a perishing soul. And a new pair of shoes was literally worth taking somebody else's life. Thank God it didn't happen. But as I sat there and I thought to myself, like, wow, maybe that's crazy for us to think. But what about us as believers, right? Maybe we're not pulling guns to try and get shoes from somebody, but what are we sacrificing? What are we forfeiting? What are we giving up in pursuit of what we assume will make us happy and in the process, neglecting the very presence of God, the word of God, the call of God on our life? 
How many relationships, how much joy, how much peace have we forfeited living by a vision that is broken and casting off a restraint that the Holy Spirit wants to guide us by? You know, it's a saying, it says, when people won't govern themselves, the government has to do it. The, most, the best self-governed people, it's called self-control, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's when the Spirit of God lives inside of us because we are so in love with Him. We have faith and trust and devotion to His Word in such a way that even if we could get away with it, we don't. Because I don't need the government or the police to tell me not to steal a $100 bill that fell on the ground out of some lady's purse. I know it's the right thing to do because His perfect law of liberty tells me how to live. And so you don't need to police me. And so to the degree that I let the Spirit guide me, that's going to be the degree that I, res I walk in restraint and fruit. But it all comes down to how we see the meaning or the fulfillment or the purpose of our lives. The more divine clarity we have inwardly, the more restrained and the more fruitful we are. Let me read this scripture because this leads into our first point. I'm going to breeze through these really fast. Divine clarity really comes from the abiding life in Christ. And I know, again, hey, we're Christians. I get it. But ask yourself this question, not, not condemning, but where's your time on the calendar every day to get with God? And I'm not saying that it has to be an hour in a certain room. I know that we never turn off the phone. I know that our walk with God is, it's constant and pray without ceasing. And it's an attitude that we're always in fellowship with him. But I know the pressures on me and the meetings and the deadlines and the expectations. And I know that there is an attempt, even if I'm saved, for the enemy to distract me from the very vine that brings me life. And so that we find ourselves, well, I need to do this to get life or that to feel life or this to feel fulfilled. And Jesus is like, you cannot bear fruit by yourself. It's only the sap that comes through staying connected with me. And so point number one is true meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in life is to find life and identity in Christ. Jesus says this in John 16, 13. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from that which is mine and disclose it to you. Everything that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said that the spirit will take from what is mine, and to disclose it to you. 1 John 5.12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And this is the deception. There are literally zombies walking around thinking that they have life, just like I did. Man, I'm fine. Bills are paid. Man, I'm fine. I'm healthy. Man, I'm fine. Uh, you know, I'm the starting point guard of the team. I'm fine. Everything's good. But the Bible says that if we have not the Son, we have not life. We are literally walking dead men and women. But to have life, to live as Christ, and to die as gain. Jesus Christ, that relationship, and the closer I am to him, the more that life manifests. Matthew 22, 37 and 38, this is the purpose. This is our identity. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. So experiencing a full and meaningful life, it begins with the abiding source of eternal life, Jesus, and we are the branches. And the only way to experience this meaning and this purpose is to be in relationship with the one who designed your life, the one who directs our life, 
and the one who determines your purpose. He is the potter still, and we are the clay. And it's just a reminder as we get into this series that maybe there's another level of giving up control for him. Now, I think a lot, of, a lot of times if I give up control, I give up joy. If I give up this freedom, listen, you cannot outgive God. He's not a taker, he's a giver. And what are he, whatever he asks of us, it's because he wants to free our hands up of clutter so we can receive more of him. Amen? Ultimately, every person is searching to find the answer to these questions. For the secular person, there is, and I remember, you know, before I got saved, there is this relentless pursuit of happiness. But you know what? As long as we're pursuing happiness, we will never be happy. Does this make sense? If, if the end game happiness, it will always remain a pursuit. I will never be able to attain it and keep it for very long. But if Christ be my goal, happiness or real happiness, joy comes with it. Because he is the source of all good things. And any, anything I try to find outside of that relationship as the means or the end game, it's never going to satisfy. And so we can pursue materialism. We can pursue a financial level. Think about this. Nothing wrong with having money. What's wrong is when money has you. You know, I heard it this way. It's, it's not what we do. It's why we do it that matters. See, two people can do the same thing, and one can be innocent in the eyes of God, and the other an idolater in the eyes of God. It's because of the why they're doing it, and the end game in their heart. So check this out. Money. The trap there is, if you don't see it as a tool, as a blessing, but as a tool for the kingdom, when is enough enough? Listen, I've played this game. I remember having nothing, and then I got my first car for $100. And it leaked like smoke through the stick shift up into the cab. It was an old Datsun. And I just started my roofing business. I was 19. And I used to have to pull over to take naps because I was poisoning myself. And I didn't know why I was so dizzy all the time. Okay? But I was so proud of that $100 car. Then I start making more money and I see people that have better things. And I'm like, this isn't good enough. And it wasn't. Let's just be honest. <laughs> so God gave me a little... You know, kudos on that. That was revelation by the Spirit. But then, you know, it was, uh, I was so proud of the first house I got. Remember when houses were 130 grand, like back in those days? But then it was like somebody else had something better. And then, uh, you know, you start despising your house. And you, you shouldn't, but I did. And it, it was no matter how much I got, I always needed more. So when's enough enough? If Christ isn't the one that fulfills you. Where Paul says, I've learned the secret. I learned to be content when I'm balling and content when I'm broke. He's like, I've been balling and I, and I was happy. And I've been broke and I was happy. I was in prison and I learned to be content there. And I was on the pinnacle and I learned to be content there. No matter what state I'm in, it's not the state that is my treasure or the meaning of my life. It's who I'm worshiping in every leg of the race. Amen. Or achievements. You know, I remember starting a youth ministry and it was like, I didn't feel like a success until I got 30 kids and then 50 and then 100 or 200, whatever. But there was always somebody that was doing it better. And there was always somebody that would make me feel insecure. And, and God had to continue to beat that back in me. Look, Dave, you're not in competition with anybody else. You're only in competition with your own capacity. Your job is to try and be the fullest, most incredible version of who I've made you to be. That's all you're working toward. 
So work at that aim or the power or the position. People get power and position, but what did it cost you to get there? See, here's the cool thing. And then I'm going to whip through the rest of these points. But you know that God gives all of those in him anyways? Money, position, authority, success. Look at what it says about money. When Jesus Christ is the object of our faith and the love of our heart, the Bible says this about wealth, Proverbs 10, 22. When the Lord blesses you with riches, and the, the Hebrew here is actual wealth. It's not just spiritual, it's tangible. When the Lord is the one who's blessing you with riches, you have nothing to regret. Or the Bible says there's a wealth that comes from the Lord that brings no sorrow with it. See, the reason that money brings sorrow, it's because we have our eyes on thinking that will fulfill us. And if there's sorrow attached to the pursuit of wealth, it means that maybe it is at the center of our purpose and our meaning instead of Christ. But when it comes from the Lord, he does it without regret. Achievement or success, Matthew 23, 20, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Or think about power and position. God does this same thing, but here's the way he gives us authority. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. What he's saying here is the authority that I give and the power I give is to serve others, to rescue the broken, to intercede, to be an example, to bring souls into the kingdom. I don't give you authority and position for your glory because your existence is to know me, is to be loved by me, is to enjoy me, and is to glorify me in everything you do. So anything that comes to our life, we pass it on and we reflect it to him so they may glorify our Father in heaven. Amen? Whoever tries to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it. Number two is to find true meaning and purpose and fulfillment in life is to find community in God's family. Acts 2, 41, 42, and 46, those who believed were baptized and added to the church they joined with other believers and committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They worshiped together regularly at the temple and met in small groups in homes. Now, I'm not going to spend any time on this other than to say this is why we constantly hit on life groups because the same way a car is designed to run on gas and oil, if you put sugar in the gas tank because you want a sweeter ride or whatever your excuse is, that was off the dome, by the way. It was corny, but... That was not planned at all. Can, give him praise. Give him praise. This is not me. It's totally him. Um, it's designed, and if you don't do it the way he designed, you can't expect it to run the way it's supposed to run. And, and so what isolation and being out of community, it, is, it, it lends itself to causing us to be fruitless or at least hindered on our fruit. And so we encourage you, sign up. Our life groups are, are launching this week. Um, sign up, get involved in one of our alpha groups. If you have any questions, you can go to the table on that. Number three, to find true meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in life um, is to grow, to mature, and to bear fruit. This is called discipleship. Jesus said this, John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give you. One of the things that I always ask myself is, like, am, have I grown any more this year than I did last year? And, and in what ways? Or am I going around, you know how we go around this, and, and God has to teach us the same lesson over and over and over again? And he'll let us go around the mountain, but God calls us to maturity. 
There's scriptures that say, hey, man, by this time you ought to be teaching, but you're still needing to be taught the very basics, the elementary things of the word of God. And so there has to be this constant, like, I need to be content with what God's doing and who he is, but there should always be something in us looking to improve and looking to grow our capacity. This is the design of God in our life. And then number four, the true meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in life is to contribute my time, talent, and treasure to the kingdom of God and to the church of Jesus Christ. First Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve one another as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. And again, this is, I won't camp on this, but this is just like everybody has a ministry that each one of us, as you bring your gift and you bring your experience and you bring your story, we serve one another and we find a place within or through this body to spread the, the love of Jesus Christ and encourage one another so that we can be built up as a body ready for the return of Jesus. Number five, the true meaning and purpose and fulfillment in life is to invite others to love and follow Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20 says this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody say that, ministry of reconciliation. Each one of us is given this. And verse 20 says, this is why. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Until we come to terms with that truth, our life is fulfilled by knowing, by loving, by serving and following the author of life. And unless we get that as our truth, even as believers to another level, we will continue to pursue empty paths or paths that hinder our fruit. I came up with this quote here. So this is the first time original. You're hearing it. It's going to be famous. You hear it here first. And you can get the tattoo free of charge. I just kind of wrote a quote that just summarizes all of this. And I put, the most meaningful and fulfilling life we can experience is the one lived fully present in the here and now with eternity in mind. A life lived for the glory of God and the salvation of others. You know that at the end of the day, when you think about what should wake us up in the morning, what should guide our day, what should fuel us, what should motivate everything we do, everything we say, every relationship we have, every decision, it should be this, that when we stand face to face with Jesus and this life is over and we breathe our last, that you would hear these words from the Lord himself to you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. And so ultimately our meaning and our purpose in life as we engage our community, as we call this church to relational evangelism, as we step out of our comfort zones and courage to go on mission, like this last point says, to invite other people to love and follow Jesus Christ. Ultimately, we can share the word, we can invite them, but you know what's gonna be the sticking point and the Velcro that will help tie them to the kingdom and to this body? It's going to be when they look at your life as the greatest witness. And when they see you waking up every day and they see me waking up every day, living our life to glorify him, to abide in the vine, to mature, to be on mission, and to encourage other people in the body. Here's what I want to do. I want to watch this. Uh, this is a two-minute video. And I want to segue into this. And then as soon as this video is over, 
I'm going to have Jordan come up and, and bring just a quick explanation of what this is. And we gave a teaser of it last week. But as we're calling this church to think outside of ourselves and go outside the four walls, we believe that we either go on mission or we send somebody else on mission. But we're all a part of reaching somebody for Christ, either locally, nationally, or internationally. And we mentioned last week, we have a part, a place at the table, and we've been invited to be a part of the biggest, the most impactful and profound missions effort in the city of Los Angeles. And I know we have a backyard, and we've got some outreach that we're going to be launching here, some new stuff and some new areas that we have never attacked with the love of Christ. But this mission to LA, it's going to help us not just reach this city and not just help other churches grow and bring new people in, but it's going to be an experience that those of you who feel a tug by the Holy Spirit, it's going to help us discover a pattern and a footprint and a way of doing missions even locally because this one's not out of country. So what does it look like when we bring that back home? So let's watch this video. Let's do it. Until July, we are calling 20,000 team members from around the world to provide the greatest display of love Los Angeles has ever experienced. Our goal will be to invest 1 million hours of service and sustainable solutions to those who need it most. Envision hundreds of teams partnered with local LA nonprofits who are already impacting their communities. Our team's goal will be to magnify and multiply their efforts in each community. In the months before One Day LA, city organizations and faith communities will transform into serve centers. Prep teams will collect data, assess needs, and strategically plan intelligent outreach in preparation for the hundreds of teams arriving in July. Then from July 19th through 26th, each one of the more than 300 teams will focus on specific communities for six days. They'll partner with local nonprofits, businesses, and government programs and together facilitate aid distribution, community festivals, beautification projects, sports camps, and homeless outreach. Our dream is to provide real solutions through outrageous acts of love, service, and community relationships. It all leads to a moment where we'll unite the city alongside influencers, community leaders, artists, and inspiring voices at the LA Memorial Coliseum to celebrate what love can do. Here are the three ways you can show your love. First, love acts. Join this historic team by committing to serve Los Angeles. Love gives. Raise funds or donate goods to generously provide for people who desperately need it. Lastly, love speaks. Tell everyone. Invite others to go or give. Bring them into the story. Every team member, every gift, and every share counts. So take your next step at OneDayLA.com. All right, that is One Day LA Redeemed Church. My name is Jordan, and we are officially launching this massive, iconic campaign. We have 20,000 volunteers. We're gonna have 400 teams. We're gonna have over 1 million hours of service, and we're also gonna have two massive gatherings in the city of LA, and one of the gatherings will be at the Coliseum. Um, in LA and, and some of you uh, Trojans fans, this is gonna be like home for y'all, right? Um, and what's really cool about this, you guys, is again, this is like nothing 
that we have ever done before. Um, all the trips have been out of the country, and this is the first time that we are targeting the United States um, solely because of this. We believe that uh, if you can reach LA, you can reach this entire nation, and if you can reach this entire nation, we can influence the world. And so we, as Redeemed Church, want to officially invite every single one of you guys uh, to come out and join us um, as a church, as a family. We're gonna be going to LA this July. And it's only, it's, it's for a week. But the really cool thing about this, you guys, is, is some of y'all might have some family, you might have some friends or loved ones in LA, and we're actually permitting y'all to go and be with your friends uh, and family, which, which this is really cool because we've never done it before. And then, and then others, we're gonna say, hey, you know what? If you, after the trip, y'all wanna stay longer, you guys can go to Six Flags, you can go to the beach, you can make your own vacation out of it. But how exciting is it that in a time like this, we are going to infiltrate this massive city who influences the world. And so again, we wanna invite you guys uh, to come out. And, and for those of you that, that do have questions, what, what I do wanna do is I wanna push you guys to come and be with us uh, in the table um, across from the Connect Center out there. And we have a bunch of material that we have to hand off for you guys, such as uh, steps to join the team, right? These are uh, very practical, but, and then also we want you guys to visit us on on our website at Redeemed Church, where you could go and, and register. We want you, anybody who has an interest in this trip, we want you guys to, to stay back just for a short time uh, after service for five or 10 minutes. I'm gonna answer any questions that y'all may have. Um, and this will be what we call an interest meeting. Just so y'all know, you're not committing to anything. You're not signing over your life or your credit cards or anything. This is a time where you just ask questions, we answer and we send you off. So for 10 minutes after service, you guys, we want you to be there. Um, but other than that, again, this is really exciting. This is something that, that we've been waiting for. And we do have some vets in here that have, that have been on trips uh, with us. And so we, we expect y'all to, to rally a team, so. Awesome, can we give Jordan a big hand? He's gonna be playing a lot of the point position on this. So here's what we're gonna do. Why don't you stand to your feet and uh, we're, we're not gonna close the service yet. As soon as we're done worshiping the Lord, um, I'll dismiss us. Here's the challenge in the response. So maybe you've been at a place where you've been kind of, you believe in Jesus, but you've been pursuing other things to somehow fulfill what only he can fulfill. Um, maybe you have lacked vision or divine insight and you feel like, man, there's just some areas in my life that I feel are unrestrained or I feel the withering of fruitlessness. And this is just, it's a, you know what repentance means? Repentance doesn't mean to say sorry. Repentance literally means, in the Greek, it means to change the way you think. And I'm going to think differently about it. And so God, you brought it to my mind. I want to confess it. I want to ask forgiveness. But God, I want you to set my vision straight according to what it is that I'm pursuing and what it is that I'm living for. And so during this time, get right with the Lord in whatever he's challenged you. And secondly, I want to challenge you to ponder just, okay, maybe I'm not in community and I'm kind of isolated or maybe I feel a little too busy. And this might be a chance where we just say, Holy Spirit, would you just prompt us? Would you just tug our heart to maybe think about signing up and joining a life group or an alpha group at the table afterwards? And obviously what we just talked about, maybe you feel a little, a tug, stay afterwards 10 minutes and you feel like, you know what, I want to find out more about that. I feel like the Holy Spirit just maybe told me to look into it. 
If you stay after for a little interest meeting, again, 10 minutes, we want to let you go. We got the Super Bowl going. But it's just to hear a little bit more and decide whether this is God calling you or not. And then lastly is uh, we want to prepare our gift. So let's worship God. And then when we're done, uh, we'll give you a chance to give. We want to thank you for your financial contributions. This is a form of worship. Uh, I remember the Lord corrected me one time. I've shared this before, but just writing checks, dropping to the plate like it was a tax or a light bill. And God's like, you need to slow down. Like, this is an act of worship. You're giving a part of your life that you were paid money in exchange for. And when you put your money to support the kingdom, which is one of the purposes of life, like you're literally putting your life in that plate so the time you exchange for money can be used and translated into reaching other people. So thank you for your generosity. Father, we pray right now as we enter back into worship that you would move on our hearts. You'd correct us. You'd encourage us. You'd lead us to a more fulfilling, meaningful life that is marked by fruit. God, and I pray that you would just speak to us, each one, as to what it is that you want us to do. And bless the givers, God. Bless those who, who can't give right now. Supply, cancel debts, multiply finances. We thank you that we get to be a part of it. And we want to worship you now in song, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship the Lord with all our hearts. Amen. I just want to put my plug in real quick. I, I was blessed and honored to go with this group, both to Nicaragua and Peru, both. And it was uh, a couple of the most life-changing moments of my life. But the message I just want to give you today is that if this is something you're going to do, then you need to be all in. Yes. Okay, you can't hold back from God when it comes to doing His work. So it doesn't matter if it's this missions trip or if it's doing the alpha groups or doing life groups or whatever it is. Whatever it is, you've got to give God all of it. Yes. You can't hold anything back. Because I've found that when I have my failures, it's because I haven't given God everything that he deserves, right? Yeah. He deserves every single bit of us, all of our effort, all of our strength, and also all of our weakness so that he can take that and, and correct it for us, right? So this, it fits so much with this song today. Just no matter what you're doing, I just pray so much to every one of you that you give it all to God. He deserves it. He deserves our glory. He needs to have it all from us.